You are listening to the Antler and Featherco Podcast. Hey guys, Vince with Antler and Featherco here. I just wanted to take a second before we hop into this episode, and I just wanted to say thank you. Over the past month that we've been putting out shows, you guys have really shown up and really shown a ton of love and support on Instagram and through listening to the show. So again, thank you so very much. I truly appreciate each and every one of you guys. I don't take any of you guys for granted, and I just wanted to let you guys know that. So without further ado, let's go ahead and kick off this next episode of the Antler and Featherco podcast. All right, what's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Antler and Feather Co. podcast, the podcast for new and adult onset hunters. Today's show is going to be all about, in my opinion, the best thing that's ever happened to public land hunters, and uh, that is saddle hunting. I know not everybody has that opinion, but I have experience in this realm, and uh, I think I think it's opened up so many opportunities for me in the woods. So I wanted to put saddle hunting in front of some of you newer guys who may not have heard of it before. Being a newer hunter, I might not have a ton of overall experience, but when it comes to buying something, hating it, buying the next thing, hating it, and then finally landing on the one thing I wanted in the first place, ending up spending way more money than I wanted to in the first place, I know how that works. I've done that and saddle hunting is one of those areas. I've bought traditional hang-ons. I've bought small hang-ons. I've bought everything you can imagine to be in a tree. And I ultimately landed on saddle hunting. So like I said, I want to kind of put this style of hunting in front of you guys. We're going to talk about that and how it could benefit you. I don't think there's anything wrong with guys that do like normal tree stands, uh, traditional hang-ons. I think there's a lot of really great ones on the market that are light and this and that but I still don't think that the advantages compare when you look at the advantages of a saddle. So we're going to talk about that today. I got my guy, Benny Greg Waugh. That's how he yeah. told me that hit that. Yeah, All right. Got it. Benny Greg There you go. We got Benny from Buzzard Roost Saddles. It's a smaller company out of the swamps of Louisiana, and they're making some kick-ass saddles. I've watched. You'll have to correct me on how long your company's been going, but I feel like two-ish years, three years, something like that. Uh, No, less than that, bud. Since last November is when we entered the market. So we're we're coming up on a, on a year in November. Yeah, I remember it must have been then on a Facebook group. And uh, I remember seeing your, you know, the first post of, of your guys' thing. And I've been watching it ever since, watching it grow. It looks like a ton of people are loving your saddles, loving your product. And uh, so I'm thrilled to have you on. I Like I've said, I will tell you guys ahead of time, I don't currently own one of his saddles, but that's the next one I'm going to be sitting in. Um, and I'm, I'm very excited about that. So. Just to kick it off, um, I'm going to say a quick prayer, and then we'll just hop into talking saddle hunting. Sound good? Sounds great, bud. All right. Lord, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you for what he did on the cross. Um, I thank you for just another day, another opportunity to record a podcast. Um, all things good come from you, and um, I just thank you for that. And I, I pray that you would be over this conversation. Uh, I thank you for Benny. I thank you for his time and uh, him his willingness to come on the show. Ultimately, I want this podcast to first and foremost glorify you. Um, I want you out front um, because like I've said before, if we don't start with you, we're not going anywhere. So Lord, I just ask that you would uh, make this conversation fruitful, informational, entertaining, um, and we just ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, let's kick this thing off. So just for starters, just because we're 
I like to say we're a little over a month away. Um, by the time this podcast airs, we might be right around a month away from my opener for deer in Iowa. When do when does your guys' deer season kick off? Uh, so it depends on where in the state, but uh, if we go towards Texas from where I'm at, we start end of September, September 20th or so. Uh, and then the rest of the state generally opens up around October 1st. Now, are you, uh, do you have uh, private land? Or are you public land hunter or a little bit of both? Uh, technically I have, I have both. I, um, I'm in a small lease two minutes down the road, uh, in the swamp and, uh, we still run dogs. We still do run you? dogs for deer. So, uh, it's not the most popular thing in the world to talk about, but, uh, down here is part of our heritage to run dogs yeah. in the swamps. So well, yeah, here's my thing that. on, yeah. Is it, is it legal? It's legal. Well, there you go. <laughs> you know, that's, yeah. that's where that conversation ends. I feel like I yeah. think, uh, you can get into all kinds of ethical debates, but when it comes down to it, you want to talk about running dogs or baiting or mineral licks or whatever it is. If it's legal where you're at, and you're filling the freezer, you know yeah. what? Hey, that's the game. Play it. So, yep. but that's cool. That's one. That's one style of uh, deer hunting specifically that I I don't really know a lot about. But I'll have to look into that. That's that's an interesting interesting thing. So, how long have you been hunting? Oh man, I just got into that dog club a couple of years ago, and and I got in it with my dad. He he really loves it. Me, if I get an opportunity for like a three day, two day, even, I, I'm gonna go somewhere else in the state and go hunt public. But uh, I've been hunting since. Story is, my daddy was bringing me at two, and yeah. bringing a uh, sleeping bag and nestling me in the bottom of a of a oak tree or in the root ball or whatever. Uh, not so much in the swamp because you'll be drowning your baby. But uh, <laughs> no, uh, just since I was two, I've been going. I think my daddy kind of took a little break. Uh, I think the Lord led him to say, hey, it's it's time to take a break. You're neglecting some things you, you shouldn't be neglecting. And then about 12 years old, uh, I remember going to talk to him and, and saying, daddy, I really want to go hunting again. And I remembered it vaguely enough to say, hey, I wanted to go hunting again. And uh, we started going squirrel hunting, and it just snowballed from there. And I'm in love with deer hunting. Do you have any, have you been able to get out? Now, for everyone who's listening, and probably a lot of guys that are listening, uh, Benny has a full-time job. Uh, he's also running Buzzard Roost Saddles. Um, along with just everything else in life, have you had a lot of time to kind of get out and scout preseason or do you normally not really do that? Or like, what have you been doing to prepare for, for this upcoming year? I've never really been a preseason scouter. I'm a, uh, in season scouter boots on the ground. One, I don't really have the time to do it with, with my other job. Um, I think I'm, I got a lot of overtime hours in and, um, so when I do get time to go hunt, I go and I hunt the hottest sign possible. I'm not a I'm not a horn hunter at all. I love horns, but I'm not a horn hunter. I'll I'll take whatever walks underneath me and hunting the Amen. hot sign. Yeah, hunting the hot sign and mostly feed trees is where I I find most of my success. What kind of I don't want to venture too far off, but I'm just <laughs> generally curious. What kind of feed trees are you talking down there in Louisiana? Well, uh, we have 
different species of oaks. We have uh, the honey locust bean trees, early season persimmons. Between the oaks, you can usually find something dropping. Yeah. Uh, they're a pin oak or a white oak, and then they transition through the season. That's why I went to hot sign. You know, I'll take and I'll walk miles until I find where they're beating the dirt into the ground. And and this uh you when it stops you and says, Hey, it's time to it's time to hunt here. This is hot. Yeah. Uh you have old crap, you have new crap, and you have middle aged crap. That's <laughs> where you wanna stop and hunt because they that means they've been hitting it, they continue to hit it, and it looks like they're gonna be coming back for more. Yeah, and that's a great that's a great transition into the the main topic of the podcast. I think um so at what point in time did you I assume you were you a ground hunter or were you a hanging a hanging hunt guy before saddles? And what did you use before? And then how did you find saddle hunting and then transition into full-time saddle hunting? I I've never been confident off of the ground. So um I've always hunted elevated um either out of a a climber mostly or a um or a ladder stand on private land uh that we built and, and put up but mostly climbers and then for probably a two-year period before i found saddle hunting i'd gone to lock-ons okay. and that's that's when i was getting heavy into public land hunting uh i hunted uh private land from you know like i said infant till probably late 20s i'm 36 now uh till about you know 27 28 and then i really started dabbling in the public land and and got got into a majority of my success once i went to public land i was just kind of blinded you know, about public land before. Yeah. So what about, I guess, what led you to saddle hunting? How'd you find out about it? And what were some of the things you experienced when you're using your lock-ons and all of your other things? Now you're hunting, you you said primarily like swamps and stuff, which I can't relate to. I'm in Iowa, (laughs) but what kind of, what kind of things were, were you experiencing that you were like, you know, I'm going to check this saddle hunting thing out. How'd that whole journey in saddles begin so i think that one started about eight years ago and so because i worked so much i needed uh i needed to be ready to go whenever i could and sometimes i would leave my climber in the back of my truck or my lock on and then i'm out in the parking lot i'm worried about that getting stolen in the parking lot at work you know so that was a factor and then climbers and lock-ons are kind of bulky. You can get you can get your weight down significantly, but at the time I hadn't even looked into any of those things. Um, it was just, hey, uh, uh, it transitioned from climbers big and it it hits every limb as I'm walking in. I have to set it up. Um, you know, you have to crank up the tree. And then it was like, well, I'd really like something to fit inside my frame as I'm walking all these miles and going through the thickets and everything. So I went to uh, a muddy blood sport hang on and that thing's killer. I don't know why it didn't get any more traction than it did. 
I still have it. I still yeah. have my, my first climber that I bought when I was 12 years old with birthday money. Uh, <laughs> so I, I still have stands. So I don't want to say that the uh, saddle's the end-all, be-all, because it's not. Probably over my climber. I keep my climber for the nostalgia of it, you know, just say that I bought it when I was 12. And then, you know, maybe one day my son will, will kill a deer out of it and get to say he used the same one. But, uh, so from the lock on to the saddle was, that was a move I made just because hunting the swamps, you can punch through is what we call it. As you're walking, you'll just, uh, find a soft spot and you'll sink and mm. you'll be up, you'll be up to your chest in water, you know, real quick. And most of the time you're walking in, in hip boots. So after punching through a few times and getting hung up in the in the uh, floton, it kind of, I guess, maybe close to a quicksand feeling like I ain't getting out of this. I'm mm. tangled up. It's like, man, I need something better. And I started looking in the saddles, and there weren't any on the market. Uh, I think maybe Arrow Hunter Kestrel was on. And, uh, you know, I said, man, I don't know if I want to spend that kind of money <laughs> to get the whole kit and everything. And I might not like it. It's the only one on the market. So there's a very small resale, but, uh, I said, well, let me try and make one. And that everybody was talking about the sit drag on the saddle hunter forum. So I went and got one of those and those hurt. Oh, they hurt tremendously. If you just sit in one of those, you you will know what hip pinch is. <laughs> and I said, I got to do something with this or this saddle hunting's not going to work. The value of it, I saw immediately. I hunted out of it uh, a few times and just dealt with the pain. And I said, man, this, you know, going in that light and not having the restrictions, I saw that value real quick. So. I went to the drawing board and I started, uh, I ended up hacking up that sit drag and I went and I got my mom's sewing machine and I actually happened to have the, the saddle that I came up with oh, wow. here and uh, I, took an old, <laughs> I took an old belt and I mean, it's not safe at all. You know, I got, <laughs> I got just a few stitches here and a few stitches here. Now, if I upgraded that belt, I'd probably be into something. But, uh, <laughs> no leather belt I cut up and I sewed into the loops and then, uh, I just made some paracord netting. So not safe at all. I don't recommend it, <laughs> but at the time I was wild and I ain't gonna lie. I'm still wild. I'll still hunt yeah. out of that. <laughs> yeah, it the, looks the cooler than any other saddle mean. I've seen. <laughs> at least you got uh, that going for it. It's, it's different. It's different for <laughs> sure. But, yeah, the value was there immediately. Immediately saw the value, and I just had to make some tweaks to get the comfort. Yeah. So speaking of the value of it, just for guys who may not have sat in a saddle, um, and we can both kind of share some opinions on it, what are, what are some of the biggest advantages that you found in the tree um, other than just walking in lighter? Uh, like you said, 
everything's contained within your frame, your person. So especially when you're walking through stuff like you are in the swamp, um, or if you're trying to get in that thick stuff to find a big boy, you're not constantly snagging on stuff, ripping tree limbs everywhere. That's the first and, and biggest advantage that that I see is you're light, you're quiet. You can get in where you want to go. You're generally not lugging 40 pounds, so you're not as sweaty. Um, yep. But once you've gotten up the tree, what are some of the other things that, that stick out to you as being an advantage um, and being in a saddle versus on just a traditional tree stand? I I think it limits my movement. If you're up there, your movements are are smoother and less um, eye catching to the deer. You should move with the deer and not, um, you know, it shouldn't be a stand up, turn around, lean against a tree, or, or I, if you can imagine what I'm I'm talking about, standing on a platform and just mm-hmm. you know, turning your body, standing straight up with a saddle. And bow hunting is is more what I'm talking. With a rifle, mm-hmm. I, I'll hunt out of anything and and feel confident that that I gen. I'll shoot them as soon as I see them. I don't I don't <laughs> give them time. Look at them first opportunity they're dead. That's that's what I'm doing. But uh, for bow hunting, I am different than a lot of people, and we can talk about the advantages of both. Um, a lot of guys like to hide behind the tree and so they'll sit there and they'll put the the tree between them and where they think the deer is coming from and they use a tree to hide from them and and uh and they like to hunt that way and that's a very great uh point that's a good way to do it i like to put myself between the tree and the deer and use the tree as as my uh, background cover, and I just like to look over my shoulder where I anticipate them to come in, and I let them walk into my strong side or my weak side if that's the movement they decide. But I plan on my strong side, uh, whether that means that the trail is going to be right there or the feed tree is there on my strong side. And uh, I let them come into my wheelhouse right there and I track them and I wait till they get so close underneath me that uh, their peripherals can't pick me up. Mm. And then that's when I'll grab my bow off the tree. They're, they're within 20 yards before I grab my bow off the tree. Or, it, I mean, if they give me opportunity to walk behind a big, a big tree or something, I'll grab it. But uh, for the most part, they're in killing distance before I nice. grab my bow. Yeah, and that's one of the <clears throat> one of the biggest things that I liked about being in a saddle. Like you said, it's the the fluid movement. Um, yeah. For those of you who aren't watching this, you're not going to see this, but yeah, just like the if you need to move in a saddle, you can just real smooth and slow. There's no jerky like step, 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 step. Um, so that was one thing I really liked, and uh, yeah, just being able to use even if depending on where you're on the tree, like. There's been times where, I mean, you know how it goes, that you've got the trail right here, the deer appear to have been, you know, they're coming from here every single time. And then that weird one comes out of nowhere. Uh, You're, you're able to get a tree or whatever you're, whatever it is, you're able to get things either 
in front of you or behind you to conceal a lot of your movement, um, whether that is picking your bow up or whether whatever it may be. Yep. Um, like you mentioned, whether you're using the tree you're in as a backdrop or you're getting behind it, um, you can use it to conceal drawing your bow. Because, yeah. I mean, that's depending on where that deer is at and how high up you are. That's a huge movement. That's a lot to draw a bow and especially a lot of guys. And I'm not picking on anybody. Um, I feel like a lot of guys want to shoot a 70 pound bow because they want to shoot a 70 pound bow, but a lot of guys can't pull a 75 pound bow. You know, their draws not straight back here. They're doing the whole like sky high, pull it down. And then all of this stuff and then getting down. That's a ton of movement guys, especially if, you know, speaking to you newer hunters, my first piece of advice would be make sure your bow is at a weight that you can easily draw it back. You people are killing killing deer with 40 pound bows. So yeah. you you don't need that 70 pound bow um if you can't pull it back like quietly and efficiently. But aside from that, if you're not going to do that, the saddle offers a lot of concealment. Another thing that that I've seen for me personally that I really like is sometimes you'll have on, on our public lands, sometimes like you're saying, if they're coming into Oak trees or uh, whatever the situation may be, there's a lot of times where you might have two trails coming together into one main trail. And if you're hunting around that area, or if you're hunting around a scrape and uh, you know, maybe you're just not sure which way they're going to come in on a, on a hang on stand, wherever you set that stand, that's where you got to hunt from. With a saddle, you can literally hunt 360 degrees around a tree. You can hunt wherever that deer decides to come out because you might get that one weird deer that just, that's not a, you know, they come out of the least, uh, the last place you expected them to come from. You're still in the game. You're not, you know, and, and some of the hang-ons I've, I've been on, sure, you can, you can scoot your way around and try to turn around, but a lot of ones I've been on, you're getting creaking, you're getting metal sounds. Um, and then just the way that you, you know, hang yourself or you, uh, safety tether yourself to a tree, you got this weird tether pulling over your back. There's just a lot of things that get in the way that you've got to think about where a saddle just allows you to move where you need to move, put yeah. things in front of you or behind you as you need them. And yeah, I, me personally, I know a lot of guys that one of the next subjects I want to kind of talk about was shooting out of a saddle. I know a lot of people complain about shooting out of a saddle. Me personally, I didn't see much of a difference. I mean, I can usually get my footing in in a much better, more comfortable stance, no matter where I'm at on the tree to, to try to maintain some sort of good form for archery. Um, what's been your experience with that part of it? Have you, have you found it to be much more difficult or the the transition for me was seamless it was seamless uh didn't think about it um now i'm not scared of heights um so i do understand where these guys are coming from uh and you don't even have to be scared of heights but to put your trust in a rope and <laughs> lean out on it is is man that's a difficult thing to do for for anybody and then ask them to shoot their bow out of it you know, I think that's where um, guys are unsure about what they're doing or they're thinking that that's got to be difficult to shoot the bow. I'll put it to guys like this. 
if you sit in a chair in your backyard and try to shoot your bow, that's going to be harder than shooting out of a saddle. I feel like the way that a saddle supports you, that you feel like you're standing up shooting every time. One thing you touched on, and I remember, and this this goes back to, and I've said it on Instagram, guys, make sure you practice with your gear, especially if you're going to saddle hunt. The process of getting into a tree, you can get into a tree very quickly, very quietly, but the process is something you need to have down in your brain. You don't, you don't want to just, yeah, you don't want to just try it in the woods. Um, You see the smile on my face. My partner just walked in and he's got a Red Bull. Does he? (laughs) Nice. Nice. There you go. Um, But yeah, it's something you want to practice, but more than anything other than just like getting up and down a tree silently and getting comfortable that first. And I'm sure you can, you can agree to this that first time I know when I got up there, I had my tether tight as I possibly could, you know, I'm standing up next to this tree. The minute you let that thing out and you have to sit back. Oh my gosh. Yeah. (laughs) I was scared to death. Don't discount that short tether because there's some spots. Like that's the, that's a versatility point about a saddle is you can make it put you in whatever position the situation dictates. So if, if you're in a, a thicket and you leaning back is, is not good because you got a small shrub tree or something behind you, suck that tether up yeah, and make it, make it stand you up. You know, I, I know guys that they take a group of trees, they'll take those little two inch shrub trees and they'll bring paracord and they'll tie them together. And that's how they, they'll get 10 foot up in that tree and they'll have three of them tied together. Really? To make a big enough tree that they can hunt out of. That's hardcore. <laughs> yeah. Some of these swamps don't have uh, good trees. They're more marshy and, and tall, tall grass. Yeah. So, yep. That's awesome. Make do with what you got. Yeah. But... Yeah, guys, make sure you practice because you're going to hopefully after this, you're going to want to be sitting in a buzzard roost saddle and just know I can tell you now I can pop up in a tree, my tether set and I just plop myself back and I'm fine. But the first time you hang on that, hang off of that tree, you're going to have a heart attack momentarily. Your feet are going to be shaking real bad. It's going to be like you're going to think you're about to die. But those those tethers and those ropes. um, as long as you're buying them from a reputable place, those are climbing rated. These are the same ropes that people are hanging off cliffs 3,000 feet in the air with. Um, I can't I'll go never into do like that. You won't catch me doing that, but <laughs> right. <laughs> but yeah, these the ropes yeah, that the ropes that you're buying are safe and they are built to uh, yeah. hold your weight. And that's a big part of the practice thing I, I talk about is you have to trust your gear. And then that, after about 10 minutes, I'd say it took me 10 minutes before I calmed down and started kind of moving side to side and realizing, okay, this isn't going to go anywhere. But make sure you guys, if you are getting saddles, make sure you do get climbing rated ropes or get get the tethers and lineman ropes from the saddle company. Don't just sometimes, and I'm sure you've seen it, sometimes you see people, can I use paracord? It's 550. And it's like, that's not exactly how that works. Right. <laughs> so just make right. sure you guys get get you know the good ropes and then just practice and trust your stuff. Something a little less serious. What is your favorite name for a saddle? 
that all the haters out there, they call saddle hunters and saddles different names. What's your favorite name for a saddle? You got oh, like you call, death diaper. Like the, the tree diaper and, and yeah. stuff. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, I don't know. I, I've heard them all. Uh, probably the diaper is, is the one I hear the most. Yeah. And, uh, or a, a hammock, a butt hammock. Yeah. Um, so I tell you we... what, you say saddle. The funniest thing is you say saddle and immediately they go to horses. Yeah. Yeah. So much so, uh, we was talking the other day, we might buy a horse trailer and start pulling a horse trailer for all of our shows <laughs> and everything. Just, just to, <laughs> Like so, when the other manufacturers are there and they see us, they're like, "Ah, some crazy dudes right there!" And right, they right. get it. <laughs> so, how often do you or do you anymore? Um, do you practice in your saddle in the off season? Do you shoot out of it often, or are you just kind of you've done it long enough now that you're cool with it? I don't. I don't want to say that I've done it long enough that I don't have to. I think. I think it's more just a life thing for me. Is yeah. uh, I don't have time i'm i am terrible at getting out and practicing if i if i get out and practice uh like it's a really good day really <laughs> good day for me yeah and i i should be better but uh man so busy so yeah. busy i got three kids i got two jobs uh and everything else that goes with life I know I'm making excuses. There's no excuses. No, and but. I think, I think that's important to say because I know when I first started too, and like I said, I'm only going into my third year um, of deer hunting because the show is geared, you know, it's everyone can listen to it, but we're, I'm mainly trying to talk to newer guys. It's good that they understand that they're not the only one. Um, right. I remember, you know, you watch, you you get real hard onto YouTube and stuff and you see these guys who hunt for a living and you're like, man, if I could just be in the woods all the time, I could do this and this and that. And it, you get into a rut of feeling like, why don't I, why can't I be in the woods all the time? Why can't I this and that? Guys understand like a majority of hunters, we're all normal people and we have tons of jobs yeah. and we have families and I would say like a normal hunting scenario, you, you're not going to hunt every day. You can't, you have a real life unless you're blessed with, you know, you're, you're awesome on camera and you're a good hunter or whatever. And you get a job yeah. hunting. Like there, those are some, those are real life. Um, I don't want to call them barriers because usually they're good things that are keeping you from out of the woods, but that's just how it is, you know? So don't that feel is, like, yeah. don't feel like you're, at a disadvantage because, well, I didn't, I haven't killed a deer yet this year because I don't get to be in the woods. That's, that's what most of us are dealing with. So yeah. don't let that be a big excuse, you know, maximize your time when you are in the woods and, um, you know, set yourself up as best you can, but understand like, you're not always going to be able to be out in the woods. It's just the way that's it is. So put it in perspective, last year was the first year in 20 years. I didn't kill a deer. And I was only able to make four hunts. That's the way it goes sometimes. So I want to kind of get into uh, buzzard roost saddles. So you kind of discussed how you got into making saddles. When did you kind of really want to take it to market? What made you go further than just like, okay, I made this one for myself and it works. Uh, where where did it kick off? Were you like, you know what? I think I want to start making these available for other people. Yeah. So. 
there was a span in there from the first saddle I showed you. Uh, there's a few years, uh, quite a few years, where I didn't I didn't hunt out of anything else. But you know, saddle hunting was still growing, and guys at work were interested in saddles. And it was like, hey, Benny, I, you made your saddle. Could you make me one? And it's like, okay. You know, and I, I would just charge them, you know, for materials and stuff. And I would come sit down and I'd, I'd sew and everything. And the evolution of it is that I found value in making my own gear a lot cheaper than what I can buy it for. Absolutely. And I decided to go elk hunting. And I'm looking at sleeping bags and backpacks and everything like that. And you know, one thing I found that I could save a lot of money on was my sleep system that I could make it. And I ended up making a um, a synthetic quilt for significantly less. I'm talking seven, eight hundred dollars in the materials that I use. If I were to purchase it, I made for less than two hundred bucks. Wow. So uh get a sewing machine, guys, and, and learn because <laughs> uh there there is a lot of value in it um so i did that and realized that i can i can sew and i i understand how to put things together and and all that and then i'm making saddles for buddies uh they'll they getting some probably some death traps because they're wild like me too but <laughs> you know i i learned all the do's and the don'ts and i did a lot of research and everything and I never intended to make a saddle to bring to market. I just enjoyed making saddles for buddies and and getting them in the tree for a lot cheaper. And then uh, just by accident, one night I was making one for a buddy and I had bought quite a bit of material because it's cheaper the more you buy. And I wasn't to the status I am now in bulk, but uh, I was looking at it and i said you know what if i did this and i did it and when i went out on the porch and i sat in it it was like a light bulb went off and it was like this is really comfortable and i don't know why i thought of it but uh when the light bulb went off my next step i brought it to the guy that was i was making it for and i said dude you really got to try this and we're at work and he tries it on and he, he sits back and he's like, man, this is really comfortable. And he didn't want to tell me, but he had already bought three, three saddles from me before that weren't comfortable. And he, I mean, they, they were so cheap that, uh, you know, he, he bought them, hunted out of them, didn't like them gave them to his brother-in-law or, or something and he had actually gone out and bought saddles that were on the market by this time saddles were out on the market mm -hmm. and, uh and then he come back and he said benny you know these this right here I, I never wanted to tell you but this right here is better than my two saddles that i have at home that i bought elsewhere i was like oh you didn't want to tell me you was hunting out of everybody else's <laughs> stuff but Anyway, he said, man, this is better than those. You you have to do something with this. And uh, I didn't 
put a whole lot of stock into it, but I made a few more and guys were liking it. And I had already put the pack just from uh, me sitting in it that, that night on the porch before mm. I brought it to him, I started reading patent laws and was like, Oh, I can't show it to anybody. I can't talk about it to anybody. I have to go put a patent in place or uh, a provisional patent. So I went and did that. And uh, then I was able to show him, but um, yeah. So I started making some for other guys and it just started snowballing and people wanted it. And then it got out of my friend circle where people were wanting it. And I said, you know what? I, I really got to do everything I'm supposed to do with this. And um, that was actually over the summer I did that. And then by November, I had everything taken care of that I needed to do. And uh, I brought it to market. And uh, and it's still it's still growing. It's doing really well. I'm, um, I'm doing about 20 saddles a week. So really? That's doing real well, I would say. Yeah. How many prototypes did you go through before you've kind of arrived on what you're now selling? And I guess this would be a good opportunity to also bring in like, um, you have, when you're, when you're talking about a saddle, when you guys look online, you can get um, a single panel saddle versus a two panel saddle. Yeah. How many iterations of your, your, the saddle you have now, how many of those did you make before you're like, this is it? And then after that, can you kind of just explain the differences and the, the advantages and disadvantages of a single panel and a double panel saddle? Yeah. So the bottom panel, I, I make a two panel saddle. The bottom panel of my saddle has remained relatively unchanged from the first time I sat on the porch. That hit and nailed it. I've changed, you know, a few components. Um, here and there the shape of it is pretty much the same so that's uh that's what i like to say that it that one didn't change much the top panel uh i started out you know probably five inches wide and then i now i've got it down to four inches and there's less gussets i like to call them uh to keep the thing together but uh the top panel changed probably three or four times. And then um, then I really dialed it in. So what's different about a double panel that offers more comfort? Um, just for anybody who's never held one or seen one or sat in one, why is a double or a, a two panel saddle more comfortable traditionally than a single panel? Um, so my thoughts on this is that a single panel versus a two panel is going to fit your style more than it's going to fit your comfort. And then from there, you decide if you want comfort or you want, uh, you know, ultra light, fast speed. Um, I tend to gravitate more towards a one panel. That's, that's my style walk in everything on my back going and i do the uh scouting for hot sign and i hunt but a two panel is going to be a little bit heavier not not a whole lot heavier it's not even really anything that we should be talking about 
right. as far as weight, but uh, you're not lugging a climber or a lock on. Yeah, I, yeah. I can tell you that with either one of them. Uh, but so a single panel, it's it's meant to cup your butt and provide your uh, your safety belt above your iliac crest, all in all in a single panel, and that's as long as they're joined together, it's, it's hard to find the, the perfect spot. And, you know, sometimes I, I think your butt has to be a certain shape for it to really work for you. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there's other saddles out there on the market that's done a really good job with single panels and they can find the comfort for you. Uh, so if a single panel for you, that one of those companies may be one you want to look at. Um, but it seems to me, and the reason I, I make a two panel is that the guys that are coming off of tree stands and lock-ons that just, they're, I don't want this to sound bad, but I think a lot of them are getting into it for the fad of it. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they're really getting into it because they feel a need to. and the first question they want answered is, is it comfortable? Because right. a millennium hang on, that's a comfortable stand to sit in. And, you know, people been killing deer out of lock-ons for years, you know, longer than we've been alive. People have been killing deer out of these stands. So why, why do you need a saddle? And I think the answer is you don't, you don't need a saddle. You can continue to hunt out of your stands and kill deer. So to get back to the saddle, a a two panel answers that comfort question almost immediately. It it gives you uh, room to set it on your body where you want and provide some back support. And, uh, you know, one difference in my saddle and all other two panel saddles is now you can't do it at home, but here my my panels completely separate into two pieces so you have a back band that's one piece and then you have your bottom panel and then i join them here at these two loops with uh with amsteel loops and uh ropes and what that allows you to do is uh you can change the the cup angle on your bottom panel without changing your top panel it doesn't uh elongate or shorten it and pull you more forward where other two panels do because they're they're really just a continuous material webbing and uh so instead of the two separate pieces it would come across here and so if you pull more towards your bottom panel it's going to pull more on your top and and sit you more straight up my system is independent of each other and uh that's where my patent is it's an independent angle adjustment system you can change the the angle on your bottom panel without messing with your top panel you can change your top panel without messing with your bottom panel so that's where uh buzzard roost finds its comfort from i really like that because i I, I can I know exactly what you're talking about because I currently hunt out of a, a single panel. And I would say from my experience that 
and this is me personally, and it, I I didn't have any like super expensive hang on stands, but I've never been uncomfortable in a saddle to begin with. I know that as as guys have bigger bodies, bigger body shapes, um, I know they talk about hip pinch and things like that out of a saddle because I don't know, maybe the saddle just doesn't fit your frame correctly. Mm-hmm. But to talk about the double panel and yours particularly, there's many times where you know it, it gets a little gets a little snug in the crotch area. So you go to pull that panel down. So it's more under your butt, but then yeah, your waistband comes down with it. And now your, your back band of the saddle is cutting across the back of your butt. So then you're like, well, that doesn't feel right. So you pull that back up into the place you want it. And then everything scrunches back down, you know? So yeah, I definitely see value in having, yeah, that back band in one secure place. And then wherever your butt needs to be, wherever that comfort zone is for you, you can put that second panel right there. And then both, both the top and bottom portion of your panel or your your saddle can be comfortable versus, you know, well, it's really pulling through my legs or whatever it is. And then you have to sacrifice the next hour because your back band's in an uncomfortable spot. So that's definitely something that I I really look forward to being able to have that adjustability. And it looks like um, on yours and most double panels, like if you are a smaller framed guy, I mean, just, I guess you just tighten it up to where it is a single panel if you really want. I mean, yeah. so that's one thing we get at a lot of shows, you know, from the experienced saddle hunter guys, they're like, man, yours really kind of functions as a one panel too. And it's like, yeah, it can. It definitely can. We're able to suck it up tight and, and be almost like a hybrid. You know, if, if you want a, a one panel, if, that's your style you can definitely make ours work like that yeah so do you uh, do you guys plan I, I was on your website um i've been on your website multiple times actually um do you plan on expanding into what's that i said that's why our uh, website views went up right yeah <laughs> um do you plan on offering like dump pouches or any of the other like things that i i assume right now if you're doing as many saddles a week as you're saying I mean, that's got to be a ton of extra time and work out of your day. Um, it is. But do you plan it on is. sewing uh, up some dump pouches and stuff like that at some point? Yeah, we do. Uh, we are, we're working with some other people uh, in the industry to kind of uh, get us some, get us some dump pouches made. Um, cool. We, that is, you know, like I, like I mentioned before, my, my time is, <laughs> is little so uh you know when i have free time i'm either helping my lady sew and helping her get caught up uh relieving some stress off of her or i'm at work so the um the time for me to do r&d stuff and and make new products is is slim i have lots of ideas in my head but uh bringing them out is is the trouble I'm having. So uh, I'm working with somebody that, you know, that's their forte Mm -hmm. and, uh, and I'm letting them, I gave them what was in my brain and they're going to be sending me something and then we'll, we'll go from there. Good deal. Yeah. And you guys, if you go on his website, um, www.buzzardroostsaddles.com, um, you can go through, you've got like the saddle, he's got packages to get you started out. You have some sick looking hats. I know 
if the I one can I was keep looking, in stock. Yeah, I, I can imagine they're hard to keep in stock. I mean, he's got the the green leaf and some um what is it, real tree original. I mean, yeah, I particularly you got sick of guys, you got first light guys. I'm a bottom land, I'm like a an original camo guy. I I My love boy. it. That's what I, I'm talking about. At the end of the day, I think uh and I this isn't anything original, but like I think a lot of not to discount these big name camo things. I mean, they're great. And usually yeah. the quality and the comfort, but in terms of the pattern, yeah. I've heard from enough people just the idea of a lot of it is more for the hunter versus the deer. And yeah. I'm like, I'm sorry, Mossy Oak Bottomland original or that real tree original, like that just, it looks awesome. I love the vintage feel and it's got it obviously works. You know, yeah. so I saw those hats. I'm like, oh, that's getting put in the cart when it when they come back. Yeah, guys, make sure hit up buzzardroostsaddles.com. Another cool thing I just wanted to highlight real quick. Like I told you before the show, you guys might notice I've got a, a police shirt on. Um, my show and as well as Buzzard Roost Saddles are are very supportive of um law enforcement, of uh, military, uh first responders. So one thing that I wanted to highlight about your company that I think is is awesome and that people, not only the fact that, you know, these saddles are coming from a small company in the United States, you're also supportive of, of all of those different, uh, like I said, law enforcement, military, first responders. I think that's a really great thing that your company has to offer. So I know you offer, what is it, a, if you're a first responder or, or a police officer or military, you have like, a, is it a 15% discount? Yes, sir. All and then kind of talk about the, the patch thing, that patch program. So we have this, uh, a coyote tan and, and black American flag, and it matches very well with our colors on our saddle. So it's not like you have a, a bright uh, red, white, and blue, which isn't a bad thing either. If you wanted that, if that's what you want, contact us we'll put a bright red white and blue flag on there <laughs> but uh we we just figured that this was gonna go real well with the camo and and everything on your saddle and um my business partner he's he's a veteran himself and uh that's one thing that that i've always regretted um not doing i didn't serve and and i don't know why i regretted it so late in life if i was younger i'd still just go ahead and join and, and get rid of my regrets. But, um, so the only way I know that I can give back and, um, this is it, this is how I can give back and, and do that. And I wish I could do more than 15%, but so that's how we're able to give back to those that serve us is to offer those, uh, patches and, and it helps out, uh, to cover the cost of donating a saddle to a veteran or, or service member. And what we do is after we sell 20 of those flag patches and so them on, we uh, will we'll do a drawing. Uh, we're actually coming up. I think we got one more patch we need to sell and we'll come up on our first drawing where we're able to, to do a raffle on Instagram or Facebook and uh, allow y'all as customers to put in who you want to, to get this, you know, you can put your dad, you can put your husband, your brother-in-law, you know, put a veteran up, a service member, EMT, firefighter, law enforcement, all those guys that serve us and get overlooked all the time. Let's, 
let's uh put those guys up and we'll uh you know we'll do a raffle to see about getting them a saddle yeah i think that's one of the coolest things that that buzzard roost saddles does aside from making a great saddle but i really wanted to put that out there because like i said especially with as crazy as the world is and as underappreciated as as the 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 groups of people that selflessly service every day they they just get crapped on all the time and i think it's important for Americans and especially, you know, guys like us who we didn't serve. So how do we serve them in any way we can? And you guys are putting a focus on that. And I appreciate that. I know, um, you know, like I said, my brother is, is a law enforcement officer. He appreciates that. And uh, so I just wanted to put that out there, guys. It, correct me if I'm wrong. That patch is what, 10 bucks? Yeah. Like 10 bucks. you're already, you're already buying a saddle. Throw that on there. It, it, it A, it looks cool. Why wouldn't you want an American flag on your saddle? But what that patch will do going forward is just a way you can contribute in a little piece. Um, So make sure when you guys do that, when you do go buy that saddle, throw that patch on there. Um, So now would be a great time. Benny's been awesome enough to offer the listeners of this podcast 10% off a saddle. You're going to use code capital AFP10 at checkout. That'll get you 10% yeah. off the saddle. And then, yeah, toss that flag on there. Do some good with that. Hey, man, I want to tell you thank you. I appreciate your time. Um, let people know where they can find Buzzard Roost Saddles on social media and on, on the internet. Yeah, man. Uh, BuzzardRoostSaddles.com is our website. You can check us out on Instagram and Facebook. Um, and we want to encourage everybody, if you have questions about our saddle or saddle hunting in general, reach out to us. We're those guys that are uh, open to questions. My my email box is, is full of questions, and I, I try and get to them as soon as I can. I have a lot of guys, I'll be in my emails answering, and they'll, they'll send me an email, and I'll answer it immediately. Wow, that was fast. Yeah. But, you know, that, that's yeah. what we try and do. We try and get to you in the same day. Yeah. And uh, just to just kind of wrap it up on Buzzard Roost, I mean, one of your big things is we ain't fancy and you're catering towards the scrappy guys, as you say. Um, It's yeah, his his company is is for everybody. It's for all those hard hunters who are out there doing all the work they can. And he's yeah, as you can see now, after listening to this podcast, Benny's a super down to earth, great guy. He's got a great thing going. I think we need to support small businesses as much as we can. I've said before, I think it's it's a wonderful thing when a company does get big, like some of your big companies out there, but that doesn't mean that other ones can't also grow. Um, so it's important to, to support those small businesses whenever you can. And uh, if you're in the saddle market, this is definitely one of those situations. Support Buzzard Roost Saddles. I know I'm picking one up. I'm going to be posting all deer season long about how comfortable it is. Take advantage of that code. And guys, make sure you also hop over on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. Uh, follow at Antler Feather Co. Um, I'm always putting stuff out there, keeping you guys updated on the shows and, and other things for new hunters to be thinking about and, and learning. Um, also, wherever you're listening to this podcast, we're available almost everywhere. So if you guys would head over and subscribe, follow, like, share, give good ratings, I would I would definitely appreciate it. I say this every week and I, I mean it truly. I appreciate every single one of you guys that take the time to listen to this podcast. It's It's been very enjoyable for me and I hope it's bringing some value to you newer guys, even you experienced guys. I hope you guys are learning stuff and enjoying it. 
And uh, yeah, we're going to catch you guys on the next one next week. This is the Antler and Feather Co. Podcast. You are listening to the Antler and Feather Co. Podcast. 